Guys, I've been really trying to up my protein and be just a healthier person. But you know what really kind of sucks? Those shaker bottles. I'm trying to make my protein shakes and everything's still kind of clumpy and gritty and just generally not great. That's why I ditched those silly little shaker bottles and I am rolling with a BlendJet 2. The BlendJet 2 is portable so you can blend up my smoothie at work, um, protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. Yeah, to be honest, I've been going the smoothie route with my BlendJet 2. It's small enough to fit in the cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. And I have one too, obviously. And the BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. And it lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. Love it. Quick and easy, but best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and we're good to go. What more could you want? I'll tell you all of the freaking cool colors that you can choose from. Now I'm kind of regretting that I didn't get the leopard, but I am really happy with my lavender. It's okay. I got blush. It's very on brand for, you know, Book Talk made me colors. And I have hot pink because that's just who I am. (laughs) (laughs) But what are you waiting for? Go to BlendJet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code BTMM12. That's BookTalkMadeMe12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the BlendJet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with BlendJet 2 Portable Blender. Go to BlendJet.com and use the code BTMM12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. Hi guys, welcome back to Book Talk Made Me, the podcast where we talk all your favorite books from Book Talk, Bookstagram, wherever you're getting books, we're going to talk about them. Guys, today we're back. We are back, baby, with Akatar, book two, also known as A Court of Mist and Fury, which, woo woo! <laughs> you guys can see it, but Hilda had like very minimal like pump, like raise the roof, woo-woos. <laughs> uh So we covered book one, A Court of Thorns and Roses, in the last episode. So we are continuing on with our beloved Sarah J. Maas SJM series, A Court of Thorns and Roses series. Um, And so here we are with book two. As with book one, are we deep diving into every plot point, every – I'm getting head shakes already. Hill's like, no, we are not. No, we are not, ma'am. Are we diving into every plot point? conspiracy theory no no we are not there are amazing great podcasts that do that we love them we also cover them in our whole unhinged theories where we try to wrap them all up and see you know factor crap basically um, factor crap <laughs> factor, factor cap factor cap factor crap you know what that's that's true factor cap uh i guess that's what the kids say these days uh, uh, let's go with crap it sounds cooler that's good um, which we are going to do a fact or cap. <laughs> I could talk about theories, part two. Um, but this episode is just us going through the book, taking our thoughts and feelings, and kind of condensing it into three major plot points. Now, we feel this book's been around, so of course we're going to have our spoiler warnings, but we will do our best to try to stick to this book and the book prior. 
So when we go to the third book, it'll be the third book, the second book, and the first book. Those things all may come into play. We're trying going to try to spoil down, not spoil up. But I'm pretty sure all of you guys have read this book at some point or another. So this should not come as a shock. And if you have not read it, I'm sure the internet has spoiled it for you. Mm-hmm. So don't come trying to fight us over something we spoiled because I already told you I'm sorry. Sometimes I will I say straight it. to jail. We warrant you. <laughs> No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Uh, so we've got our fat glasses of wine. We've got our high noons. Tequila. <laughs> yeah, you've got your high noons, your tequila high noon. Vodka your high noon. Vodka high noon. And I just got like a mostly to the top glass of wine. So we're getting lit tonight. So are you going to talk about your ho-hos? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Earlier, I was like, I'm going to introduce my co-hosts. But instead of saying co-hosts, I said my ho-hosts. And, you know, so I'll, I'll introduce my ho-hosts. Bridget and Hilda. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> There's some hoes in this house, right, Bridget? There's some hoes in this house. There's some hoes in this house. Certified freak. Seven days a week. started off strong so strong um so we are so excited to get into this book because really you know i would love to say that the first book a court of thorns and roses lives uh like rent free my head i remember every single detail of it this one i didn't remember too much but reading it again i was like god damn this is still such a good freaking book and so much happens in this book I think it's my favorite. I think it might be too. Like, I think I love the first one only because, like, that's what brought me in. But also, that one was fire. Straight fire. Honestly, I I like the third book as well, and I don't remember what the name is. I think it's Wings and Ruin. Wings and Ruin. That one, because the thing about Sarah J. Maas is when I first started reading it, I didn't think I'd ever be interested in battle scenes. And the way she wrote it was just, like, amazing i could picture everything and i was like holy shit this is a really good book so i don't know i'm in between both but i think this one is my favorite just because you know you get the love story pharaoh's figuring things out um you know it's a good time it is and i to echo your thoughts on the battlefield she does it beautifully in the throne of glass series like oh yeah to me i feel like i was watching like game of thrones i was like biting my nails you know there's one scene um, in this book specifically that I will never forget. And it's when, spoiler, Valaris is being t- attacked. Uh, and the scene with the adder, I was like, I could visualize it literally every second. They better not so fuck good. this up when it's a TV show. I'm going to be so Oh, pissed. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will too, but I just don't want them to. That's what happens. You know, I think I texted you who I thought would be a really good Lucian Tamlin. Did we talk about it last time? It was during this book you said – Chris yes, Hemsworth was going to be Tamlin. Nah. Yes. No. I said Chris Hemsworth, Tamlin. Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill, Resand. You know what? And then I say the guy from Outlander, Lucian. Sam Claflin? No. no. Oh. He, he could also be, be Tamlin. He could also he should, be Tamlin. He could be Tamlin. I think he's Tamlin. No, but, but I, I just like, like him. I don't want him to be Tamlin. Right. I just feel um, like Chris. Well, we're still like hoping. Well, just oh, no, kidding. it's not Sam Claflin. It's Sam Hewen. Sam Claflin. I, I, I honestly don't know what his name is. Just know him as the second act lover. Like, <laughs> so great. So great. Uh, yeah, I was driving the car and I was like, well, hold up. Here's a good fan casting no one has talked about. Obviously, Henry Cavill obviously is Resand. 
I believe that's Henry, what I'm saying. I had he could be a one man show. He could literally be every single character. Just I let him be the one man show. I cast him as Rowan because he looks like that in Witcher, and I was like, a hundred percent, absolutely, I would watch. You no, know, I wasn't. I think I watched Witcher before I read Darn of Glass, and to me, I was like, ah, I don't really love Rowan. And then I started thinking about it more, and I was like, if he had to be fan casted, one hundred percent, Henry as Oof. the Witcher, so fine, so fine, he, so great. Sam Hewen could be he's got red hair from outlander he could be he could be that's lucian lucian that's what i'm Uh, saying fine he's like he's lovable i love him with feyre and chris hemsworth has that like hotness where he's like charming but he's also kind of like an asshole you know what i mean i just don't really like him i know that's a very unpopular opinion yeah i mean i get it would i kick him out of my bed no 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 i would not Absolutely but I get not. it. Yeah. I wouldn't marry him for no. him to come. But if he was like, hey, I'm just going to stay here, I, I wouldn't fight him on it. Yeah. I'd be like, you live here now. It's okay. You're like, oh no. Oh no. The super hot man wants to sleep with oh, me. Oh God. Oh no. <laughs> what do I do? Slip and fall on his dick, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> My life obviously. is so hard. Like his dick. <laughs> uh, okay, we've gone off on a crazy tangent, but I'm just going to say that came to me. This is a fan cast I don't feel like I've seen, so I'm throwing it out there, I'm manifesting, because I need these characters to be aged up in the show. Just saying. Oh, yeah. Um, You know who would be a really good Aante? What's her who? name from? Uh, Game of Thrones. Marjorie? Amelia Clark. No. Oh, um. Oh. She was also yes. in Hunger Games. Yes. Yeah. She's got that weird kind of smile. Yeah. Um, the one who was killed in the blast, who married Joffrey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was also in the Tudors. Natalie. She was Dorman? Anne Boleyn. Yeah. Yes. 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 She'd be good. She'd make a perfect Iante. Iante, whatever her name is. I say Iante. 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 Um, so that was our fan casting, our dream fan cast, well, my dream fan casting for this. Uh, would love to hear what you guys think on who you think you should play. And while I will accept, uh, Henry Cavill as an acceptable answer for all of them, would love to hear some diversity added in there. Who should play Lucian? Like an untapped character. We got to have a good Lucian. Can't have a shitty Lucian. Again, back to the book. So let's get into what actually happened during this book. Again, we're going to break it down by giving you a 10, 15 minute recap just to set the stage so you guys remember what happened. Because I'm sure like us, you read them back to back to back to back and everything kind of blurs together. So Bridget's going to lead us through the 10 minute recap and then we've divided it kind of into three different sections. So we've got the wedding in Night Court, Training in Valaris, or basically just Valaris, and then Highburn. Fuck that guy. (laughs) So, Bridget, take it away. All right. So, here is your recap. I'm going to do it as quickly as possible, but this book was about 650 pages, roughly. Even a short recap is still going to take a hot second. So, we pick up this book and we're immediately transported back to spring court as we know 
when the last book ended, we saw Farah and Tamlin and they re-entered Spring Court and they were like, let's go home. Everything's happy. Mary, they're both alive. Their people are free. Amarantha is dead. They feel like they can resume to normal life. Not realizing they have a hell of a lot of trauma. So entering this book, we see that Farah is struggling a lot with transitioning into her new body as a high fame. She's also struggling a lot with um, Tamlin because he wants to basically lock her up in the house because now she becomes um, an idol for his people because she saved all of them and he doesn't want her to be her or stolen and it gets pretty dicey and he obviously also, does not know she's how. struggling with what happened. Yeah. yeah she was very really, traumatic under the mountain. So she feels she, really guilty over those fae that she killed. Yeah, mm-hmm. so he's focused on trying to keep her safe because he wasn't able to do that underneath the mountain. She's still trying to process and transition. And then to her, one of the things that she said at the beginning of the book that really hit me was like, if only he knew that I would have ride or die. Or she said something like very extreme where, you know, it wasn't worth it to her to like kill those people and to be able to save all of his court. So she's struggling with that. They're preparing for their wedding because he ends up proposing to her. And then as they're getting married, she starts freaking out, having a panic attack. And guess who shows up to finally call in on his bargain? Mr. Nightcore. Mr. The- Daddy Reese. <laughs> Daddy Reese. People think he's a villain, but automatically I'm like, he came and saved this girl. Let's go. So he saves Here her, takes her back books. to um, Nightcore. And immediately she's like, oh, fuck you. She immediately goes back into like, oh, you're the bad person in the story. And he asks her, um, well, you have a week here. I want you to do lessons. And he basically tells her, you need to learn to read and write and practice your mind shield. So he's helping her and she's still being a bitch to him. But whatever. So she returns back to Tamlin. They have words. Um, they go back and forth for like, I think a month or two. And then suddenly tamlin locks her in the house fully this time and she loses herself and just combusts in all of this new power that she has and more who is part of reese's court comes and saves her and takes her to reese and reese is like that's it you're not going back unless you really want to he gives her options which is something that tamlin was not doing at all and he's like if you want you can stay with me if you want, you can also help work with me and that way you can earn your keep. And she agrees and they go to Valaris and then she meets his inner court, which is something that no other court has. They don't have like an inner circle the way he does. Um, and then suddenly we're in a section where she's learning to train to be a badass. They go on little mini missions first to the Weaver to retrieve a ring because they're testing to see if her powers within her can identify um, the powers of like the High Lords that she has taken the power from. Um Apparently, Highburn, just because Amaranth is gone, he is still planning to attack the mortal realm, attack Perinthian. And so he is on a mission to stop him. And in doing so, they need to find this book called The Book of Breathings and nullify where Highburn is going to be getting his power from, which is the cauldron, which he has been going around while people have been distracted with stealing parts of the cauldron to reassemble it. That way they can have enough power to bring down the wall, which is separating the high phase and the mortals because he wants to go to war and destroy the land. So Reese is on that journey with her and she's able to get the ring back from the Weaver. They also try to contact the mortal queens because they have the other half of the book. And so she visits her sisters. Their sisters find out that she's high fae and they go through all that process. While she's in this entire mission setting, um, she finds out that Tamlin is still looking for her. 
and she doesn't want any um, issues between the accords. So she sends him a letter. She writes him a letter, sends it to him. And of course, Hamlin ignores it and sends Lucian after her. Um, and they go to summer court where they retrieve the half of the book that the Fays have. Um, they betray our friendly Tarquin, who is a dreamer within his court. And that one hurt a lot. Um, they ended up finally meeting with the mortal queens. They were basically like, <laughs> like we'll believe you. You're the high lord Rhysand that we've heard loves to murder people and torture people. Why would we believe you want peace for the mortals and peace amongst our people with your people? So they're like, go find us proof that you are who you say you are and you you align with us. So they go back. They have to go to the Court of Nightmares, which is his second part of his court because he has the Court of Dreams. Court this is my nightmares. favorite part. And so they go underneath the mountain in the Court of Nightmares, which is what Amarantha saw when she visited his court and based her entire fake court off of. They go there, you know, they all have to like revert to the characters that everybody thinks they are. So he becomes that asshole like high lord um, and everyone in his inner circle become like these new characters that Feyre hasn't seen. Like Azrael is a badass, Cassian's like, fuck you, Moore is like, she's the queen that everyone thinks she is. Um, and they steal the orb, but while they're doing that, you know, he has to do the show. And Feyre is his plaything, uh-huh. and he puts her up oh, on her lap on oh that baby. throne and makes a show for everyone. One of the best throne scenes we have ever read. Tell me otherwise. So that happens. They're able to retrieve the orb. They go back to the queens. The queens are like, okay, that's nice, but we're still not going to give it to you. Before that happens, though, we have a very important moment. So after Starlight or Starfall, which is a holiday there, um, they leave Valaris and they go training in the Larian camps. And then they go off, Reese and Feyre, and they're like, okay, we're going to do single trainings, get together. Lucian finds Feyre in the forest and tries to take her back to Tamlin and doesn't ask her to come. He's basically like, we've been hunting you, not looking for you. Red flag number one. He tries to take her and she's like, no, screw you. She bursts into wings like if she's an Illyrian warrior. And he's basically like, okay, I had got to go back to my court because Reese is like, get off of my land before I start hunting you. Then they have some sexy, sexy time, but not sexy, sexy time in an inn nearby where they finally give in to their feelings. And she says she wants a fun, good time. The next day they are attacked and then Reese is dying and she f- captures the surreal all over again and the surreal basically tells her how to save him and lets it be known that he is her mate and she's pissed because this entire time she's been feeling guilty that she left Hamlin only to have feelings for Reese. So she flees, she goes, takes some self-reflection time in a cabin and she paints it, which is absurd by the way, but we'll get into that. He comes and he tells her the entire story about, you know, how he's been having these dreams of this human girl and blah 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 and how he found her and then when he realized they were mates and then she you know she gives him soup some good soup i love that that was like their meeting ritual she's like i make you food <laughs> i make you food but i can't cook so i'm gonna heat up some soup in a pan and here you go eat it and then they have like a meeting so choked up about it he's like he really got emotional that's the oh, part i, I cried at we were just it's like such a good food scene. it's Gosh. a really good scene i just i want to recommend though I hate his voice in the graphic novel. Oh, is that what you're listening to? I checked it out from the library. Uh huh. With whatever app. Libby. Um. Yeah, because I remember Britt was talking about it, mm-hmm. and I just I hated his voice. I couldn't deal. Uh-huh. Carry on. 
commercial okay. director. I, I just have the one girl doing all the voices. Yeah. She's I was great. about to say, it's a single narrator for the regular audiobook, so she has to do the voices. Very interesting. She's good, um, though. So after they are mated, they go back and meet the queens. The queens are like, great, thanks for the proof, but we're still not going to trust you. You're not going to get our manpower, and we're not going to help you. One of the queens amongst the queens um, betrayed her fellow queens and actually left the book for them. So while um, Amarin is trying to figure out how to decode the book and nullify the cauldron, um, Amarin's part of his inner court, by the way, uh, Hybern plans an attack in Valaris and they have to defend the city. So Valaris is a city, which I'm sure if you've read the book, you know this already, um, where no one knows it exists. The only people who know about it are the people that live there. And it's this big secret that everyone in Night Court has been trying to hide because it's a place where everyone could live in peace and it's kind of like an ideal world. Um, so we're pretty sure the queens betrayed him, told them about Valaris to Hybern. He attacked, brought down all the wards, and then they agree that it's time to bust into Hybern, which is an island, and take the books, nullify the power, and then bounce. So they go there thinking they're on this mission, and it turns out to be a trap. It was chaotic. It was heartbreaking. Before you know it, we meet Jurian in the flesh, and he's there distracting them while the king nullifies their power. And so they lose their powers while they're standing there. Then the queens show up, and they're like, hey, sucks to be you. Um, we're here because we were promised uh, immortal life and beauty and whatever, whatever. Then Hybern went an extra step and got Ayante involved because she's been working with him this entire time. And she went and collected Farrah's sisters and threw them into the cauldron and they became high fae. Meanwhile, Fuck that girl. Fuck that girl. I hate Ugh. her with a burning passion. Meanwhile, Azriel's like hurt. He's, but he was attacked. Cassian's wings are shredded and Cassian's having a physical reaction to um nesta being thrown into the cauldron he keeps trying to like save her because he like vowed that he would protect her and you could tell something's happening there like everyone's like oh he might be made it to this girl then we find out that after um elaine comes out of the cauldron lucian realizes that's his mate so it was just a shit show and then farah ends up saying you know, I have to take one for the team. I'm going to sacrifice myself. And then she pretends that Reese had a mind control over her the entire time. And she's like, oh my gosh, Reese, wh what did you do to me, Tamlin? I want to go home. I want to go home because Tamlin was the one who actually betrayed everyone. And he was working with Hybern to get um, Farrah back. And he wanted her bargain to be broken with him. So the king broke the bargain um, and they pretended like the mating bond was broken. And so she went on her merry way back to spring court to destroy them from within. And then we get one recent POV and we find out that Feyre is not just his mate, but high lady of night court. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, bitch. Get out the wakes. <laughs> um, so that was my recap. There's a lot to cover. It was, you and I feel like I probably missed something, thing. but. It's a recap. We're not getting it, into every part. Yeah. Okay. All right. So first section that we're going to cover um, is going to be everything from the wedding up until when she enters into Night Court, which is when she is saved from her wedding by Rhysanne. Thoughts and feelings. Go. Okay. Initial thoughts. So when she's coming back, you – First time reading this, and of course even second time, you're getting the ick 
from Ianthi. I was already like, this is, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm not down for what, what scheme you have behind. Cause like she was just too slick. Like just yeah. doing it. Also. She was like controlling everything. It was very so, like. It's very weird. I'm like, where'd you come from? Like why, why like stay in your lane? You're a priestess. Why all of guys, a sudden you're here? Did you guys catch that? Like in her backstory, um, she wrote that she had fled overseas. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so I think you were supposed to think she went to the mortal realm. To the mortal realm. Or there's that other fey realm on the map. Yeah. Um, but I was this time when I read it, I was like, oh, that bitch clearly went to Highburn. That's what I thought the whole I that's what I thought the whole time. <laughs> Is that not like No, it, I think the way they said it, it made it seem like nobody really knew for sure. But you didn't really know, like, why would you think that she was a bad person immediately? You just probably thought she was, like, an over-controlling priestess. But also, if you think about it, you're like, okay, well, maybe when I first read it, I was like, okay, I don't really like her. But Tamlin is backing her. And Tamlin brought her into his court. And they are long- Tamlin would have done her, I feel like, in a heartbeat. Had Vala had. Well, I thought for a second that maybe they were, like, a thing. But here's a part where Tamlin- we- would have done her or she would have done Tamlin. Yes, because she, there's a difference. we come to find out later in the book that she is a little weasel and tries to get into High Lord's beds who have the most power. Um, but but if you think about it, like Tamlin's dad was really co- close to Highburn. So why would we not think that she fled over there? But these are all things you figure out throughout the book. Mm-hmm. They're, they're like the red flags that you're like, wait a fucking second. Yeah, red flags all around. Um, she yeah, also so, like been harassing Lucian. She wants to get with him. Yeah, she's like, I can't get Tamlin, so I'm gonna get second best. Really, just looking for any kind of high power D. You know what I mean? Like she's like, all right, good, you announce power. I'm gonna do you in this bed. Yeah, like, she's just looking for some kind. Of, she wants to be the vessel for more yeah, power. Well, she wants to have powerful children. Correct. Yeah, which I mean, I get it, but also like, no, gross. she's a gross girl. She's gross. Um, um, so I hated Anthe, and it, there was some kind of artwork, and I wish I think it was by that one guy we all really like. It's like Roki, R O K I, but he did a, a a rendition of Feyre's wedding dress, which when she first was going through like what it looked like, I immediately thought eighties wedding dress. Me yes. too. Yes, it's exactly what he drew. Uh, and so it was just it was a poofy tool. Fluffy like, fluff. Fluffy fluff. Um, I forgot how spicy this book was like at the beginning with her and Tamlin. And I was like, I mean, like, ick, because I don't want them together. And I was like, Ugh. Did you think it was spicy? I didn't think it was spicy. Not like spicy, spicy, but I, I forgot that like they were full on having sex in the beginning of the book. Yeah. You know what's funny? It's like I've already blocked that out. Like if you said this was a spicy book. It was book, a like, chapter two. I'd be like, yeah, that throne room scene. Oh. 55 yeah like i don't even that's not even on my radar of but that's why i found it so shocking because as i was listening to audio i was like doing my normal chores i was like hold up wait a minute pause i do not need to be hearing these things on the loudspeaker of my alexa oh no always always earbuds i don't i don't don't (laughs) care who there could be no one in this house earbuds um so i yes ianthi full ick tamlin now Tamlin's going through it too. I was not expecting him to be the control freak that he was. Yeah. 
And I guess um, Sarah's trying to make it seem like this is the way of him dealing with his trauma. He wasn't able to save Farah under the mountain and keep her safe. So now that Amarantha is defeated, he does want to keep her safe. But I don't. He's suffocating her. He suffocated her. It was just clear right off the bat from the beginning that these two are just not a good match. They're like oil and water. You got to mix them up like oil and vinegar. You know what I mean? When you mix them up, they're good. But when they stop having those spicy moments, they just separate into two two people. But also she came back different and he didn't seem to care. Understand that. Correct. And or want to deal with it. And then he figured that he could mold her into whatever he needed as a partner. And then he did slip up here and there when he was talking to her. And you can tell, like, he was doing all these things because he needs to save face with his people because mm-hmm. she's now being idolized. She's the one that saved him. And then he immediately reverted and it was like, well, I'm doing it because I care for you. When first it was like, I can't let you get hurt because these people are relying on you. Like, they if anything were to happen to you, like, all chaos would break loose. I just, I really wanted to forgive Tamlin. Like, I even talked about it last book. Like, I think after rereading the first one, I was all for Redemption Arc. And then I read this book again, and I was like, yeah, no, fuck that. Yeah, but she's a good Redemption Arc writer. Like, she's going to really make you hate this person. And then, because this is an unfinished series, so, like, I don't know what's in store, but I feel like she's going to really make you hate him. And he's going to do something above and beyond. I just feel like I'll be in tears reading about. And I I do hope that because I do think he needs to grow a lot. He is considered a very young high lord. And you can see that with his immature ways and how he basically tries to control her. And the thing that really gets me, though, is that he won't listen to her. It's exhausting to see her try, try, try. Lucian sees it. Everyone sees it. And he still cannot look beyond his own trauma to realize that she's also going through something and that she sacrificed a whole lot more to be in the position. And then you see her go through the journey of her realizing just how poorly she was treated mm-hmm. by Tamlin in those months that she was living there. And she was just like a shell of a human being and her depression fucking hit hard this breed. I was like, who girl, I see you and I feel you and I've known and I've been there. Sarah J. Mass does a good job, I think, writing about mental health without you really realizing it until you experience it. And I hope no one has experiences, but it, mm-hmm. I think it's more eye opening when you do experience it because then you're like, oh shit, like word for word. Been I've been there. there. Yeah. I felt that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think this book, um, I felt it a lot more than the first time I read it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's just the nature of the reread or having have experienced, you know, some of my own stuff, but there we are. I just thought it was. Uh, very well written and very well executed because you don't expect this person to come back and be like, la-di-da, save the world, everything's fine. Like there's just real consequences to what happened. And I feel like she captured that beautifully in a healing way. Yeah. I do love that she calls herself a fae with a mortal heart. Mm -hmm. And that was one of her biggest things. But I think it's like a defining feature for her character. Um, Any other thoughts before we get to the big, big daddy in the room? Uh, no, well, <laughs> I was gonna say big no. elephant in the room, but it's really just recent. Um, t- uh, Lucian, I don't love him anymore. Really, I do not. And I thought I was like, yeah, you know, I love their friendship, 
but he never tried hard enough. And in this book, no. Yeah. In this book, no. He was too under Tamlin's thumb, too afraid to upset the balance. I think maybe even too afraid by his own trauma. What he had to go through with his brothers and his lover and his missing eyeball. Like, the homeboy's been through some shit. <laughs> and he had a mask stuck been. to his face for 50 years. Like, he's been on the shit end of the stick for a long time. I think he was just like, God damn, can't we just get some normalcy around here? I was willing to forgive him at the beginning of the book, but it was like really at the end of the book when he found her in the forest. That was the defining moment yeah. of what I thought their relationship really was because I thought it shined on his true colors. So, I think initially you kind of want to judge Lucian harshly, but I think ultimately. As much as Lucian may care about Farah, his loyalties are with Tamlin. Yeah, and that's his job. Like, I get that. And I think that, I mean, he knows that he fucked up. But he, I think he thought that he had more time to work on Tamlin so that he wouldn't suffocate Farah. I don't think he realized how bad it was for Farah. I, in their best moments, though, I do love a good... Lulu, Fei-Fei. I love their banter. Like, I love when they're together. I like when they're in friendly moments. I'm trying to make up with their couple names. Lucian? Lucian? Fellatio. Sounds like a fallopian tube. Kind of sounds like (laughs) fellatio. Well, you've got tampon and you have fallopian tubes, okay? I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Faley? Faylu? We're going to workshop this. Just you, you know, everyone else let us know what you think their couple names should be. Um, So let's get into one of the most satisfactory moments um, as Farah is walking down. Now, is you the reader? She's walking in the silence. She's like, this is wrong. This is wrong. I hate it. And you're like, oh, God, this is wrong. Don't do it. Don't do it. Like, it's very well written where you are reading this are anxious. And then comes in cool, cocky, good-looking Rhysand who's like, huh, what do we got going on here? Oh, Farah, darling. <laughs> And he's like, I'm calling my bargain, and it's happening right now as she is walking down the aisle to go marry Lucian. And as she was walking down the aisle, she was panicking, and she was just sending out – she was, like, begging anyone and everyone just, like – she was looking at Lucian and was like, save me, save me, save me. And she's like, anyone, save me. And she's saying this in her head, and he picks up on it through the bargain, and ta-da! So – I don't think it was so much that she didn't want to marry Tamlin. I think it's that she didn't want to marry Tamlin under the circumstances that she was, where it was like a big old wedding, wearing this hideous dress. She didn't like, want to marry no the high input. lord. Yeah, Tamlin. she, she didn't no want to be input. his wife that he wanted her to be. She didn't want to be the trophy wife, right? Yeah, because at that time she still loved Tamlin, yes, but she loved Tamlin who he was versus like the high lord that he has to be now and. The roles that she has to take on. So, I mean, I get it. Like, I would also be freaking out because she was hella miserable and Ayante was all up in between the both of them and it was just not a good time. Is it Ayante or is it Ayante? Is it Ayante? Ayante? Or Ayante? Ayante. Ayante? Ayante? Is that how she says in the book? The audio? I know. Um, Okay, can we get somebody to verify that for us? Um, I probably could just listen to my Audible credit, but this one I didn't do too much. Okay. Anywho, we'll figure that out. Either way, fuck that girl. We don't say fuck that girl very often, but because, you know, we're like loyal hoes, but fuck that girl. Um, oh, so yes, Rhysand comes strolling in from the night court, calling in his bargain, and whisks sweet favorite girl away. Now, where does she go? 
So when he takes her away, he takes her to his residence, which is above Court of Nightmares residence. And he basically puts her up there. She stays there. He tells her, you're for this week that you're living with me, you have to do lessons. You're going to learn to write, um, read, and practice your mind shields. And she's like, fuck that, fuck you. But then she doesn't have anything else better to do, so she agrees to do it. I mean, why wouldn't you do it? Like, it's, What else it's, you got to lose? Yeah. I mean, it's bettering you. It's not hurting anyone. I really love the first time I read this that he's such a cocky asshole. He's like, Resand is the high, the greatest looking high lord. Resand is sexy. And that's how he helped her learn how to write and read. And I was right. like, I do love this. But when he initially brings her back to his place, they're having their banter and she gets pissed at him and she takes her shoe and she flings it at his head. Hilarious. And then he's like, I, she goes to pick up the second one. He goes, I dare you. And then she flings the second one and he captures it. And it was just like so funny because this person who was literally a shell of a human being in spring court is so pissed. She's finally doing something. I was like, you go girl. I know. I love you can tell immediately, the first time I read this book, you can tell how much life he brings out in her. Even though she was like, you prick, you prick, you asshole. Yeah. Like, he brought something out of her. Yeah, I think his tactic with her was always to bring emotion, even if it is anger. Like, any sort of emotion to him was better than a shell of a human being. So she stays there for the week. Then she goes back to Tamlin. And Tamlin immediately, when he sees her, he's like, we got to talk. You got to tell me everything. She's like, I just got back. I yeah, want so to be using these, with you. These week long stays as like an intelligence debrief where they're like, tell me everything you saw. What did you do? What did you see? And to be fair, she does feel an ounce of guilt. She's like, no, I had a good time. I got through my nightmares. I put on some weight. I actually kept some food down. Like it wasn't horrible. I mean, I would love that place. Sounds like a freaking dream. I would go there today. Yeah, <laughs> sign God. me up. Reese, take me wherever you are. Help me. Save me. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, yes, but Tamlin sees it as more um, like intelligence spying and doesn't see it for Feyre being on like a healthy vacation. Right. And so while that first time that she's spending the week with him, he does take her to the library and shows her the map of Perinthian and basically tells her more about what's happening with Hybern and how he wants her to be like the go-between him and Tamlin so they can join forces. And she's like, I don't know if I want to do that. But he starts telling her all these things that's making her think. So when she goes back to spring court, she starts asking Tam to Tamlin about it. I was about to call him Tampon. Um, and he's like, no, don't worry about it. It's all lies. You shouldn't trust him. He's like getting into your head. And so now he starts getting pissed at her and she brings it up again and again. And then suddenly like he gets so mad, she stops asking about it and she goes back to being a shell of a human being. And they have a fight one night and she goes to apologize to him in his library and he feels bad about it. He bought her a gift. And then she was like, wait a second, like I still feel the way I do and you are keeping me here and I want more freedom within my house. And he explodes, his power explodes and she is able to save herself by her own power she shields and herself. She shields she herself with the air shield. She has. I know. And so he feels really guilty and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. You're right. And then he Classic immediately is like, abuser. we're going to change it. It's going to be fine. And so things look brighter for a couple of days. And then he went back to the same bullshit and like locked her up in the house for real this time. Like she couldn't walk out the door. She couldn't walk out any of the windows. And that's I when she come busted in so her own power. She like black smoke all around darkness and it was just such a heartbreaking scene and but then you I have alice love, coming yes and then alice save her like, ta- uh, more comes and we're gonna talk about more because i do want to talk about more a little bit 
Um, more comes to save her and Alice tells her now Feyre is like shut down and that's like emotional turmoil but she's like don't bring her back because Alice who is not a tree bark human like I originally thought was Groot Alice just she really ultimately wants the best for Feyre and I think she sees what's happening to her but she can't you know like Tamlin's her high lord like she can't do anything about it otherwise she risks the wrath kind of like Lucian so on that note can I transition to more in the gang? Yes. Okay. Oh, I don't know if we told you guys this, but you know she has powers because she got powers from all of the High Lords. Tamlin was trying to tell her like she didn't have anything and he just wanted He's to- gaslighting her. He was like- Yeah, basically well, that- we don't know. And then Reese is like, you have powers. Like you're extremely strong for, you know, a newborn so High Fae. What I got from that though was that Tamlin su- suspected- and he knew that the other um, High Lords would freak out rather than training Farah so that she could defend herself. Should they come after her, he decides to like try to hide it and downplay yeah. it. And it was just there's a lot of comparisons, I think, between Tamlin and Reese, where it's just clear that Reese is the better man. Yes. Agreed. Anyhow, moving on to Valaris, cause what, what what? So more Let's introduce the gang we meet. We have more. More is Reese's cousin, like a loose sense of the word. They're like, I, I feel like they're like third, fourth cousins, whatever it may be. But more is uh, close to Reese. She's the one who's able to, because going into a High Lord's camp is not easy thing to do without provoking a war. So Reese sends more to go retrieve Feyre because you can feel her turmoil when she's in this black smoke um, and brings her back to Valaris. More is a bit of an enigma. We get from glimpses later on that they say Morgan's power. She is the Morgan. I remember reading this the first time, being like the the Morgan. Like, what is what does that mean? Like, you're giving someone a title. Like, you're the Morgan. No one calls me like the Caitlyn. I'm not you know yet. I mean? We don't. Yeah. I don't know yet. <laughs> but she's the Morgan. And Reese alludes later on. He's like, when Cassian and Azriel are dead, that's when I release the Morgan. And people are. That's when I release more. And so you're led to believe that she has this incredible power. And we're not quite sure what it is yet, but she is um, part of Reese's inner circle. She's his cousin, like I spoke about. And she does have her own traumatic history, which kind of makes her the perfect person to bring Feyre back to life because she has lived it. And so Feyre seeing her laugh and have fun and go out and like enjoy life gives Feyre the hope to go on without actually having knowing she just knows there's trauma there she doesn't really know what specifically happened i and really so, hope we get a more book out of future i date. would freaking love a more book like i just i'm so intrigued by her power what she did in the war the previous war with the old queens like who she met who she you know what i mean like i just feel like there's so much juicy information there i, I she's would love really it. just holding out on us she is there's a purpose. I don't know her purpose yet, but man, can't wait till we get there. So let's talk about the rest of the end. So we know more. Um, we also if I had meet- to fan cast more, I would fan cast it as um, if anyone has watched Vampire Diaries or the originals, Rebecca Michelson, the actress, that is who I envision as more. Really? Yes, I will find her name for you. I don't know who she is, but I support that. You know what I recently saw, which I don't know if I'm mad about? It was someone saying Florence Pugh. As more, I've seen that too. I was like, so 
Rebecca Michelson is Claire Holt. She was in Mean Girls too and H2O. What's the name of the actress's name? Claire Holt. Okay. I'll look her up. So we have more. She's a complete badass. She is a ray of sunshine and she's extremely powerful. Then we have so Okay, yes. I see this. The first picture, I'm like, yes. Absolutely her. Um, Reese has one, two, four people in his court. Um, so there's more who is actually his second in command. Mm, Amarin. Well, Amarin is his advisor. Amarin's no, his second Amarin's in command. His second. More is like third in command. Yeah. Oh, well, when I say second in command, I mean like that is her position. She rules over the court of nightmares and the Lars. So Amarin is the second, like the actual second person in the hierarchy, but she's treated as a political advisor. Well, that's what the book said. I don't know. <laughs> then there's more, and then there's Azrael and Cassian. So he, Pharaoh is very shocked that the two people who are the most powerful in his high court, who are his go-tos, are Amarin and more. We've already seen that Reese is a completely different high lord than everybody thinks he is, and he's a lot different from these other courts. Um, High Lords, because he has women in power. He's a woman in power, and he also has multiple people with him advising him that he trusts. Yep. Uh, Tamlin has Lucian. And that's it. So uh, Reese is like, hey, I want you to work for me. Come with me. But I want you to make this decision after you meet my inner circle. So they have a dinner. She gets to meet all of the characters, and she learns a little bit about them each. And then she's like, okay, great. I want to work for you. Let's do this. And then we find out about Hybrin, been that he's been like, ransacking these these temples and looking for the cauldron and he basically has all of the pieces he needs so they need to nullify it and they're going to do that with the book of breathings wait did we finish talking about the rest of his inner circle no so let's talk about amarin so amarin is technically the second in command why more does rule valaris and not rule but like helps run valaris and the court of nightmares amarin is kind of this otherworldly being She's described as having silver eyes. She does not eat food. So when they go to eat, she just kind of like pushes it around and pretends to eat. She drinks, she drinks blood. blood. So, you know, totally normal. <laughs> um, and they describe her. We don't really know what Amorin is either. Well, we kind of find out a little bit later. She's scary badass. She's a scary badass. And everyone's like, Jesus, like, I'm f- afraid of her. Yeah. Reese is considered the most powerful high lord. And even he's like, she's way more powerful than me. And, and he found I try her, not to piss her out off. of the prison. So they, we do know in this book, there's a prison. We didn't even get into the, the bone carver, which we will. Oh, yeah. I forgot about him. Um, but there's a prison where kind of like all the bad baddies are housed in uh, the night court realms. And Amryn was there for millennia, it seemed like. And then she got out. So you know she can be a badass bitch when she needs to be. And that's why she's his second in demand. Because she doesn't take that power lightly. She respects Reese for getting her out. And she respects the people that she's around. And she's not going to squander her freedom. Um, so that is Amryn. Next we have the bad boys. Ba, ba, ba. So we meet Cassian. Gosh, ultimate. It's like, no, I feel like I really feel it's Reese number one, Cassian number two. Just saying. Anywho, so we meet Cassian. Cassian is one of uh, an Illyrian warrior who Reese grew up with for many years and is a general of his armies. He's immensely powerful. Um, I feel like Asriel, who is the counterpart, Cassian. Cassian, 
where you have this casting is described as like this big hulking muscular man kind of gruff but like funny then you have in the polar opposite you kind of have this like slim slender spy master very quiet they're their own version of grumpy sunshine yeah you're you're right they Mm -hmm. are their own grump their own version of grumpy sunshine um we know a little bit about cassian's background his mom was he's a bastard son of some illyrian warlord and really had a rough upbringing until he met reese to kind of take him in um asriel had an even more rough upbringing which we don't really know too much about other than his brother he's also a bastard son of some high illyrian warlord and tortured for a good portion of his life before he was able to encounter cassian as uh, and he's a shadow singer as yes. well and he's a shadow singer so they keep saying he's a shadow singer a shadow singer and everyone's like afraid of the shadow singer but we don't know what that is yet like i don't know what that means all we know is he's it a makes good his spy master yeah so he basically is able to use his powers that somehow he was able to learn. Like they say he speaks the language of the um the winds and the shadows. So he's able to like snoop and be invisible really well. And he's always looking and observing and trying to assess threats for Reese. Right. So we've got Cassian, your leader of the armies. You've got Azrael, your your spy master. Um, and those are the main characters in Reese's gang. You've got Amran, Moore. Cassian and Reese. Now, Azrael. Sorry. Azrael. <laughs> yeah, I think I told you guys too. When I'm listening to the audio on this, because I haven't listened to it before, and I'm sure you guys know her because we talk about it all the time, but Kaven does this really good impression of Cassian, who's kind of this himbo. And I feel like the audiobook person like captures that essence a little bit, the way she talks. Like she's just how Kaven does Cassian. And so we just say this to say, like, we're not wrong. The way you're reading it is the way he actually sounds, is the way we're all picking up on him, where he's lethally deadly, but also like kind he's of a goofy. good time to be around. You know what I mean? He's goofy, yeah. He's goofy. I like him a lot. He's goofy. I he's funny. Him. He can read a room, but also is like, let's get fucked up and drink. And you're like, I like this guy. So those are the cast of characters for Under Valaris. Um, so what happens during Valaris, there's a lot of healing that happens. Yep. Farrah goes on her own mental health journey, basically. And so does while, Reese, uh, yep. uh, I, you know, they're, why they're there. So they kind of help each other, which is cute. And then we, we learn, we see Reese's uh, knee tattoos. Yeah, so they both suffer from nightmares, obviously, because they've gone through a lot of trauma. Like, well, what do you expect? And so usually he's there to help her. And this one night she wakes up with the darkness all around her and she realizes it's coming from him. She finds him, like, basically in... I would assume it's like his version of sleepwalking, but he's on top of the bed and he's kneeling completely naked. And she sees his tattoos and he has the mountains of Valaris with the stars. And then afterwards we find out it's because he will kneel for no one else other than his position and his people, which is huge in this book because when he's preparing her to go fight for the weaver, He's putting on her um, weapons, strapping them onto her, and he's kneeling in front of her. And she actually like thought, oh, look at you. Like you made Tamlin kneel in for you in the last book as like a payment. And now you're here kneeling in front of me. But she didn't really like, take it seriously. And then later in the book, we're like, oh, he's kneeling for her because mm-hmm. of me. Um, 
So two things you brought up there, which I want to quickly talk on. So <clears throat> during this time, Reese is kind of restoring her. They're going through this mental health journey. Reese sends her on a journey to the Weaver. There's two important missions they go on here. One, they go over to the Weaver, who is sort of this ancient old hag that eats Kills people. people. It's kind and of like, like Hansel and Gretel a little bit. Like Hansel and Gretel, where people come over. It was and then like she Baba like, Yaga. Baba Yaga, yeah. There we go, yeah. And so he sends her on this mission. He's like, we need to test out this power that you inherited from everyone else. So if you inherited my power, there's an object in this castle – or in my castle, this cottage that should call to you. And so she shows up. She's like, okay, fine. I'll figure it out. Not realizing how terrifying the Weaver is because Reese did not prepare for this. And also not re- realizing that the Weaver is a little bit of a hoarder. And she's got, like, a shit ton of things in this cottage. And Mostly so, made of humans that you don't realize. Or people, like, they or something. Yes. Like, the, the thatched roof is made of human Ugh. hair. Ugh. Um, and so there's a, a pretty intense escape scene where she has to steal something. It goes wrong. She's got to run out. And she is basically escapes within an into her life. And Reese is just, like, laying on a rock. He's like, hey, what happened to you? There you are. Why are you so gross? What happened? She's like, what do you mean? Why am I so gross? And she does end up figuring out she's got the power to retrieve it. It's a ring. It'll come back later. If you know, you know. Um, and so I felt like that was interesting to call out. Also, he keeps putting her in these positions where she's like, oh, shit, I can do this. Like, yes. I could do this. I had given up before, but now I'm not going to give up anymore. So, like, last time I read this book, I was really pissed because I was like, Reese, where the fuck are you? Like, everyone else is coming in to save the day. But, like, now I realize, like, she needed to do these things in order to, like, get to her position. Um, They also go, again, to the prison, like we mentioned earlier, where all these terrible other creatures are held. Amron was one of them for a while. They have to go see the bone carver who literally just carves bones um, to get more information on the Book of Breathings, which they need to go – and they needed to confirm that Hybern actually had the cauldron. Yes, which is the cauldron that sort of made the beginning of Earth, beginning of Fey World. So immense power there that they need to go um, talk I want to call out for the um, bone carver. carver. Um, he appears as something different for each person. So for Reese, he appeared as Jurin. Um, and at, for Feyre, he appeared as a little boy with black hair and violet blue eyes. You know, I wonder why he – did we get into why he appeared as Jurian? I don't think we – It says something in the book about like – Is that just to like fuck with him? Or like, but what's yeah. the reason why? They had mentioned something like he appears as something like to fuck with your head or some shit. I mean, yeah, but I just feel like the Jurian like appears as Marantha, you know? Well, also because I think Jurian plays a factor in later books, so I think it was like forecasting. This that might he was be one of back. those like unhinged theory things. Okay, that we may have to do some like research on mm. because I I do think that we don't get enough explanation, and maybe we will in later books about who the Weaver, the Bone Carver, Briaxis are. Mm-hmm. Like we just know that they're like terrible monsters that exist in this world, but. And they have a rule, but we're not quite sure what it is. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, so we'll get into that later. They find out that Summer Court has one half of the Book of Breathings. They go over to the Summer Court where they meet Tarquin, who is now the new High Lord. And Feyre kind of like bamboozles him into a friendship where she's like, oh my god, you're so funny. And then... She ends up betraying him. Finds she's the like book. flirting. She's like flirting with him. 
She's flirting um, with him, but also like slightly trying to make Reese jealous. Reese jealous because she's yeah. kind of also jealous that he's also flirting with other people to get more information. She's like, I have no right to be jealous, but like, God damn it, I am. So during this part of the book is where we see that very famous quote where it's like, to the stars who listen, that and everyone the, like tattoos yes. onto their bodies. To the dreamers and to the stars that listens and whatever. So that was cute. So they take away with the book. But that was a pretty intense scene because it's kind of like so she's she, 11 kind of hijinks they have to do. Because they have Amran fly in, the dead of night, Reese is standing guard. They got to go through all these levels. And the book is like talking to them. They're like, oh, hello, pretty little liar. And she's like, oh, gross. Everyone is creeped out by the magic that is contained in the Book of Breathings. There are some like titanic levels of water rising and they're sinking and they barely and, make it out. Yeah. But because of Feyre's earlier alliances in book one with the water wraith, where she paid off a tithe. Um, it was earlier in this that book. That was earlier in this book. Yeah. It was earlier in this book? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So we just didn't cover it because it's yes. so much stuff. But yeah. Um, they get saved. So because they bamboozled the, the summer court, they are now uh, exiled from the summer court. And they and have blood ruby diamonds blood or something diamonds. like that off. I also <laughs> just want to say I do love that Cassian's like, I'll go. I'm like, no. Last time you went, you like demolished half the city. You are not allowed to go. And he's like, it was like one building. <laughs> and they're like, no, you're not going. I love Cassian so much. I know. He said, right, after like- they get out of the summer court, they end up meeting with the queens. We know that they have powers because they were able to winnow into the sister's home. And that's when they kind of re- require request the proof. So now we're moving into the court of also, nightmares. this is when Cassian meets Nesta. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Cassian... Well, Sparks. he meets her earlier. Sparks are flying. In the book when the first time she goes to like see her sisters and explain everything and like the sisters have to agree to hold court for them um, in the mortal realm. But then during this time, he they're all going back and forth and they're like, we need your people, send your people like to come protect these mortals. And the queens are like, no, fuck that. Like, I suggest you guys all get on a ship and come to our land. And then Cassian stands up for her and is like, I vow to protect you and your people and blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, whoo. First they're fighting. Then he's vowing to protect her. It's going to be so good when we get to their book. And spoiler alert, it is. But yes, uh-huh. it's like sparks are flying immediately. Cassian's like, my love. And she's like, fuck off. You know what I want to say, though? Like, we talk so much about Nesta and how fiery she is, but – I was very impressed with the lady in this book because I forgot how much she actually stood up for not, for Feyre and she was like, no, we didn't do enough for Feyre in the last book and all the past like years of her life. We're doing more for her now. Like we're going to let her use our house. And she was basically standing up for her to Nesta and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, Elaine, you got a little bit of personality now. I'm a little bit interested in Pop you. off, Elaine. Pop off. So, and also Elaine is now engaged to a Faye hater. So we'll see how this goes. A fader? Um, <laughs> yes, new term. Uh, yes. So now they're heading to the Court of Nightmares. Before they get there, they get attacked. Oh my and god, we didn't even talk about this. There's a lot that happens in Valaris. Yes. Yes. It's like a huge section. Um, so they get attacked and then they have to hunt down because whoever's attacking them is using ash arrows. We've come to find out that it's Hybern and they're tracking Reese whenever he uses his power. So now we get to the good part. They're in the Court of Nightmares. They're doing their little show and dance. And it is getting slightly spicy, very angsty. And Farah is sitting on his lap. And she already feels guilty because she 
likes she's coming to realize she likes Reese and she wants to be with Reese. Something that she came to realize when she was in the summer court. And then she's feeling guilty about Tamlin and he's touching her and she's on the show for him. And that point, one point she's like, fuck it. I don't care. Like you touch me. You go for this. Yes. And so they pre said like, we have to play these roles. Like Bridget said, we're going to play these roles. This is how it has to go for the night court for us to fool them to like steal an object that we need to help us find the book of breathings of the cauldron, wherever it is. Like we need to put on the show and they just get a little, it's not a show for them. For them, it's more intimate than that. And so it's a very spicy, touchy, feely, ooh, you're excited moment. Yeah. <laughs> and what they're trying to do is um, we get to meet Moore's dad in this book. And this especially this Here. scene. So they're trying to Here. distract him and he – Fuck that guy too. Yeah. He makes a comment to Farah as she's like getting off of the platform and Reese loses it. And he's like breaks his hand. He's like, fuck you, whoever wants to talk shit about her. And I was like, oh. Oh, yes. Yes. So they're ultimately obviously able to steal the book, but that scene in particular, uh, yes, sorry, the orb to be able to see is a lot of tension the way it's written. It's very good. It builds up a lot. And then, of course, with every high, there's a low. They have a fight immediately afterwards. And then they stop talking to each other. And she's basically sending him these notes because they've been passing notes to each other back and forth, basically all book. Like we're in class. It's so cute. So, so cute. And they have like little moments here and there. Why are you talking to me? Well, you're not talking to me. So he's been basically ignoring her. And then they have their like festival of Starfall where basically – spirits are like shining bright in the sky and it's this huge deal in night core and then they finally get together as in like they made up I they're talking to each other starfall is relevant to to um, things happening in the future yes yes hilda knows what i'm talking about i think it's also relevant to those the people who write throne of glass because i believe alien was one of those stars falling when she was I don't know if it's – I know it's not this Starfall, but I think it's one in the future. That's an interesting theory. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, so after Chapter Starfall, 55. they go to the Laring camps. So they're in the forest. They're training, and Lucian gets wind of her because he's been hunting her, not even looking for her. He's hunting her, and he tries to get her to take her back to Tamlin, and she basically saves herself and is like, no, I'm going. She bursts into her own wings which I thought was a huge deal and I really loved it. And then Reese is like, get out of my lands. So he flees. They go to the inn for the night. And this is where they start having single bed trope, by the way. They have to share a bed, you know, for body heat. Um, also, there's no other bed. And he basically services her. Hey, um, good time for her. And she's like, I just want a fun time, a good time. And he's thinking, oh, you know, in his head, he's like, well, you're more than that to me, but – She's like, you know what? She needed that. She She needed that. She needed that little push over the edge. So the next day, they're training again. uh, Which she got. She needed that release. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Homegirl was stressed. I mean, I also want to be like woken up with like bat wings, well, Larian bat wings like wrapped around me, all cozy, whatever. Why wouldn't you? Um, So the next day, when they're training, he had used power with Lucian the day before. And so they got tracked again and they got attacked and they take Reese. And they have him bound in these stones that are basically, like, destroying his power. And he has, like, ash arrows all through his wings. That are poisoned as well. She 
that it's a poison as well. She tracks him down, saves him, and then has him in a cave. And she's hoping he comes back to life because she doesn't know what to do. And she doesn't have enough power to winnow back to the camp. And she hopes that more comes and finds him. Nothing's happening. He starts spiking a fever. So she goes and she decides to capture the cereal. Cereal's like, oh, hey, girl. I know how to get out of this trap, but I'm still going to help you and answer these questions. And she tells them. Okay, so here's my question. I was thinking about this earlier. I don't know why this is really weighing on my mind. When the cereal was by Spring Court. Now we're capturing the cereal by Night Court. That is a full-ass island. Like like going from London up to Northern Ireland. But They just roam. So she wasn't guaranteed to catch the same one. Well, out of all the things for you to question, I this is what I just I know I fully understand. Of all the things for me to question, I'm just like, how quickly does he winnow? Is he like, oh, I'm hanging over here? I'm or was he just in the future. area? But also, it's been like a year difference <laughs> between the first time. Yeah, yeah it's been like, like three months. months. No, 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 no. It, it's okay. It, we're up to like nine months a year because she's and she talks about how the fact she like how he had to wait a couple of hours. So it's not like he showed up automatically. Okay, no. that's it was like poof. Here it is. No, <laughs> it's not a genie. I was just like, how fast is this man getting from the bottom of the island to the top of the island, exactly where she's just sitting there waiting? So, like, if it was you or I doing this trap, I'd be waiting there for like a damn week. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anywho, well, continue. So. She finds out that her blood has properties in it because of like decor to be able to save him and that some like weeds near the water can help the process. And then the way they say it, the cereal says it, it's like, you do this, go get the weeds to save your me. And then Farrah's like, wait, wait a second. My what? My who? She's like, ho, 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 hold up. And then she's like, does he know? And the cereal's like, yes. The cereal's like, like, oh, you didn't know. The cereal's just always has sipping the tea. And I was like, girl, you're stirring up fire. Always oh. the tea with the cereal. Honestly, She's like, life nope. would be so much easier if I could be like, After, um, knock, 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 cereal. I have a question for you. Here's right? A, here's a chicken and a cake. So the cereal is like about to tell her. She goes, no, no, no. I don't want to know how long because he's obviously known for a while. I want him to fucking tell me himself. She goes back and instead of having a like an ounce of compassion, she makes him drink the blood, throws the weeds at him, is like, chew that, and he can tell she's pissed. And so as he's regaining energy, she's she like, a little bad for him. I'm like, homeboy just came back from the brink of death. And she's like, how long did you know? Like, yeah. She's like, I you're not up. allowed to ask any questions. Yes. I felt bad. But like, also like, girl was bringing the tooth and I was here for it. Because like, she was such a shell of a person at the beginning and now she has enough balls and like, energy and like, like motion to actually yeah. feel this. So I was like, Highs and lows, but, like, I'm here for this. She makes him, like, winnow back to the camp. And then she more sees them outside. And she can tell immediately that he's hurt. And she, she goes up to Farah first. And Farah's like, get me the fuck out of here. Takes them to a cabin that they own as, like, a family. And she leaves her there because she needs time to reflect on everything that's happened. This is the shit that pisses me off. Like, who goes to someone's house and then paints the entire thing without asking them? It just is a bit... But anyhow, really, so like no, honestly, this reading this again, I'm like, she's went to his childhood home and was like, I'm gonna it's go paint some creepy. stuff on the walls, and not just stuff. Like she's painting 
the inner circle onto the walls. So we know Pharaoh was a painter in the and last Amber's book. And then eyes above the door. Like, how fucking creepy. At the beginning of this book, when she went back to summer court, she just didn't have it in her to paint anymore. So part of her journey is to be able to see the world with the artistic eye that she had. So now she's finally able to paint because she is resuming to, not herself as she was before, but like she's learning to embrace herself and she's kind of overcoming these things. And that's the whole point of her painting because she's finally at peace with it. And then more comes and she's like, is it really that bad to be his mate? And she's like, no, obviously not. But like, I'm still hurt, which rightfully so. Like everybody knew that he was your mate and no one told you because it's not their place, but he didn't tell you. So finally he shows up and tells her everything. Caitlin, I know this is your favorite part. Do you want to go into this one? Where do I begin? He tells her everything, starting back from... Not just Calamai when he first met her, but starting back from before then, when he would have glimpses of her as a mortal. And he could sense, you know, some things, you know, try to send her something soothing, which is the the night sky, which she eventually painted in her on her dresser when she painted her this her sister's dresser from the um like Nessa had flames, Elaine had flowers, and she painted stars. And even later on when um, Nessa meets Ree, she's like, oh, I get this. After she sees Valar, she's like, he's yeah. the reason why you painted stars on your dresser. Like it was meant to be after like a full time. full service moment. So he comes. Can I say something? Sorry. Oh, go ahead. At, during book one, right at the very beginning when they're still living in the hovel, um, Farah mentions something about her father paying some like traveling person to draw symbols on their doors mm-hmm. to protect them from fairies. Mm-hmm. So having read Third of Glass, it's word marks. Since then, I was thinking it was word marks, and it made me wonder if those word marks were actually more of a passage. So even though the wall was oh. in the way. Reese Holy shit, could start Hilda. to see her because it was kind of like a passage. That is such a great theory. Thank you. Thank you. It's not unhinged. That's just great. Great theory. Wow. Wow. I literally have no words because I'm just here like absorbing the consequences absorbing, of that. That yeah. sounds really accurate. You know, it's funny. I read that again and I forgot. I had the same thought, but I forgot about it until you just mentioned it again. That I thought it was word marks. But I didn't think it was a door. I just thought it was like failed word marks. So interesting. So when he shows up, she's, she basically is like, you hungry? And he's like, oh, am I hungry? And she's like, the fuck is wrong with you? Do you want some soup? And he's like. I can't but I can heat it up for you. Yeah, she's like, I'll, I'll make you some soup. And he's like, Whoa. That was the most relatable moment to me. I was like, I can't cook, but I'll heat something up for you. And I just thought it was so funny. Yes, all that. And he's like, well. In, in our culture, when the the female makes the man soup and he eat food and he eats, it's, it's like a the sign of confirming that you're. And she's like, okay, so- well, you tell me everything that happened, and then maybe I'll give you some of the soup I'm heating up, which I, you know, fast ass bitch move, which is like, maybe I'll share my soup, maybe not, you'll see. Um, and he goes into the whole thing. He says, I smelled you. I knew you were my mate. I smelled you on Calamai. I convinced Amarantha to let me out because I had a feeling you would be there. Saw you. Not smelled you. Saw you. Saw you. Yes. Like saw you being there. And he goes through the whole thing why he bet on her to win against the the worm, the Midgard worm. 
and why he supported her and why he helped her because he had a, he just like was drawn to her. And it wasn't until she had been made by the cauldron, and it wasn't until right before at the end of book one when he's about to leave, he has this kind of like shocking moment where he's like, <gasps> yeah. oh my God. And then just like- Where he feels the bond off. snap. And what, what he tells her is like, I felt the bond snap into place. He's like, I thought- there was something there because we were so strongly I was so strongly attracted to you but then when you were made into a fae it just like snapped into place and it was all I felt he highly suspected it when her neck had snapped and she he saw the light like coming out of her eyes when she was dying right and he says and that he, he immediately tried to kill Amarantha and, and not just that but he's like I felt you leaving and I tugged on your bond yeah so he like you tethered back. her to her soul to him which until she says she, earlier in the book which is like I felt this tether calling me back home and calling her back home was Reese so it was Reese the entire time. The entire so, time. It's, it's almost like in Harry Potter when you're like, it's it's Snape the entire time. It's Snape trying to help her. And you're like, your heart just breaks listening and reading this. And like, I cried again. I'm not crying now. But like, I just wiped my eyes in an inopportune moment. But I just cried reading it again because he's like so – you can tell he's so relieved to be finally saying these words to her. And uh, the emotion behind it. And it's just so beautiful. And of course, then she's like, all right, well, fine. Here's some soup. I guess we're mated. I think for Reese, what the biggest thing is, is that he says at some point in the book where anything he's ever wanted has always been taken from him. And his parents were killed by Tamlin's family. Mm -hmm. And so he doesn't have anyone. And even though he has his inner circle, he's very closed off. And Fair is the only person that's ever been able to get into to see the true version of himself versus like the different sides of him. And so for her to finally accept that bond with him, it was such a huge moment because now he's not alone and now he has family and, you know, she's rightfully his and he is rightfully hers. It's just so sweet overall. Love, love the love. And then of course, though, we go into really hot, sexy time. Yes. Really hot, sexy time. What'd you call it, Bridget? I said it was a mating fuck fest because that is exactly what is happening. He threw her on the table and paint splattering everywhere on handprints, every single body. People were happy. She was singing his praises because the man knows how to- Screaming his praises, I feel. Oh, um, yes. And also- Part of her powers makes her glow. So she was so freaking happy. She starts glowing sunshine. And he's like smug about it. He's like, well, finally I can say like I made my mate so happy. Um, She's physically started glowing. So oh, maybe I'll be so lucky, you know. <laughs> <laughs> One can hope. <laughs> um, so. Uh, yes. So if you hear people talk about chapter 55, that's where that all goes down. If you like I don't feel like we did it we did a good job telling you what happened, but if you've read it, you know how intense and emotional that chapter is. So yeah. I say go check it out. If you haven't checked it out in a while, go check it out. Um so I next- highly recommend you highlighting it on your Kindle or your book, flagging it so you can always go back to those couple of chapters to really get an emotional bang wham. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> multiple not just one multiple yes all right um, let's bring it home with this last portion about hibern paul tender and valaris they are positioning and communicating with the mortal queens now they are trying to win them over to their side for this upcoming war they know is happening against hibern now that amarantha is dead um and they needed to prove to them that they have you know something worth protecting something that is 
sacred also to show them. them that they're they're good people they're good high face right. and they're, they're not who people. they're pretending to be exactly um <laughs> so they meet with the queens again they see Velars through the orb and they still deny them the book one of the queens amongst the group of queens had previously read reese's letter about how he's in love with this mortal turn high fae and she he wants to be able to save her people so her sisters can be saved and blah 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 that same queen secretly hides the book underneath the half of the book that they need underneath the chair so when they leave and go on their way everyone's pissed but reese is like get them the fuck out of here because he knows what's happening they get the book they go back to Valaris. Amarin's job is to decode it and figure out how to nullify the cauldron. the cauldron while this is happening Everyone's off doing their own business. Feyre and Cassian like are just entertaining each other and they go like walking around the city. While they're doing that, the city gets attacked, which is a huge deal because nobody knows about the city. And it turns out it's a whole bunch of creatures that looks like the adder. The adder tosses the queen that was traitorous to the group and they find her body there. Impaled. So we know like a street lamp. We know who betrayed like the secret of Valars. It was the mortal queens. Um, and so everyone's getting attacked and Cassie's like, Farrah, get out of here. You need to go home. She makes the decision that, no, this is her city, her people. She's going to fucking save it. She's going to save the Rainbow City. The, rain- the Rainbow City? The Rainbow part of the city. The She's Rainbow the of Valaris, which is the artist section. Whatever. Yeah, you know what I, like I mean. The pride section. <laughs> <laughs> so she's out there doing her thing she's taking water turning them into wolves i did like the fact that she kept calling herself a wolf throughout this entire book because i thought it was very interesting that her entire journey started by killing a wolf and now she's calling herself a wolf and all her animals that are attacking people are wolves um but the real badass scene here is when she takes down the adder because she winnows up to the roof and she's going after him, and then she hops onto him. She stabs him once, says, this is for Clara. She stabs him a second time, says, this is for Reese. Stabs him a third time, says, this is for me. And that man goes down, and she's holding onto him so he can't fly away with his wings. And as She she's also a- freezes his wings, too. Oh, she freezes it, too. And as he's about to, like, splat onto the ground, she winnows away into, like, a side of the street. And the adder is gone. The baddest. The baddest ass moment I have ever ever read i'll never forget it because it was one of the best scenes i've read in a really long time it was a good it was a good like retribution yes and as all that is happening reese is in her head like where are you where are you you need to come back and she's just ignoring him so she throws up a mental shield which shows you how powerful she is now and um because reese is one of the most powerful and she was able to do that so he was proud of her. Like she can't get, he can't get mad at her if we're doing something like that. And he tells her, he's like, no, I'm super proud of you. Like, I love you. I wish you weren't in danger, but I appreciate you doing this for my people. And then they're like, it's my people. So Reese gives her the decision to be part of um, going to Hybern to nullify the cauldron. And he doesn't want her to go, obviously, because it's super dangerous, but he gives her the choice. And he's like, all right, cool. Let's go do this. The gang gets up. They go together. Everyone goes except for Amarin. Amarin's there to save, to protect the um, Valaris because they just had this attack. Reese, because they're tracking his power, can't go with her. So he's on the sidelines waiting. She goes in with Cassian, Azrael, and more. And they go, they get to the cauldron, and she's doing all the things that she's supposed to. And the book takes her over, I feel like, and is like, no, join the book pieces together. And she starts bleeding from her nose. And then Jurian shows up and Reese shows up and they're being distracted by Jurian. 
while this is happening, the king is doing a spell and basically stops their powers. So they have no powers at this point. The king shows up and then the queens show up. The queens are there because they're basically like, we want to be made immortals. And the king was like, oh, well, I have a good example um, that we can test that on. So then he brings out Nesta and Elaine. Oh, and before the queens and Nesta and Elaine are revealed, Tamlin is revealed as the person who's been working with Hybron. Him and Lucian show up because the team made a deal with Hybron. He would let um, Hybron use his court as a station court and make alliances with him if he helps him capture Feyre and break break the bargain that she has with Reese. And then at that time, they realized that it's more than a bargain that they have a mating bond. So he's like, get rid of that as well. Then we see the queens and the queens are talking about the cauldron and how they want immortal life. And they throw Nesta and um, Feyre in there. We also learn Elaine. Elaine in there and we um find out that Ayante has been behind that the entire time so there's betrayal in every direction Feyre uh Elaine goes in first she becomes high fey Lucian um says that the mate bond snapped and he's like that's my mate Nesta goes in next Cassian's freaking out but he has physically no ability to do it because he has like shredded wings um and Nesta comes out of there like even more powerful than everybody else. Something's different about her. She didn't just turn into a normal babe. So Tamlin's obviously shocked because he's like, wait, no, this isn't what we agreed. Like you weren't supposed to involve the sisters. So he's upset about that. Everything is going to literal shit. Like things are happening. Nothing good is happening. So Farah takes one for the team. And like I said before, she basically pretends that Reese had a mind control over her. And then she's begging Tamlin to save her and take her back because she wants to go home. Mm-hmm. And then while the she's doing that, she is able to use um, the day court's high lord's breaker. power yeah. to break the spells that the king of Highburn has placed on them. So they're able to winnow again, um, and she's able to like communicate with Reese. She's not, but she's just like hoping he figures it out because like their power, like their bond is still not fully aware, but she's just setting things down the bond and hoping that he'd figure it out. And he does figure it out eventually. And so while she's doing all of this stuff, like Moore is also realizing that she's taking one for the team. So Moore is playing along with this and Azriel and Cassian are so hurt. So they're priority is getting them out along with the sisters. And so they're able to do that after Tyburn breaks the bargain and breaks their mating bond, but they don't realize that the mating bond is fully broke is broken. It's just like buried deep within them. So nobody could tell. Tamlin pulls off her glove and realizes that the bargain is fully gone, but he doesn't pull off the other one to realize that she has a second tattoo on her arm. So they go back to the spring court. Oh, wait. So then we also find out that before they went to go invade Highburn, Reese and Pharaoh went to a priestess where they actually solidified the bond. Yeah. And he made her high, high lady, lady of the night court. Of the night court yeah, which you remember which, in book one, Talon, she'd asked. Or no, oh, earlier a, in this book. Earlier oh, in, in this book? book. I hate to think it was the last book. So early in this book, uh, Feyre had asked, is there such a thing as high ladies? Like, no, it doesn't exist. Of course not. Stupid question. And made her feel stupid about it. And now she's come full circle where she is the high lady of Night Yeah, Court. so nobody knows this, but we find out when they go back to Night Court with the inner circle. And he finally reveals that. And they're like, she's going to Spring Court 
to literally destroy them from within. So then we flash back to Farah in her last scene and she arrives back at Spring Court. She's pretending, oh my God, I thought I'd never see it. And Tamlin's like buying into it. And she can suspect that like Lucian doesn't fully believe her, mm-hmm. but she's about to play it. And she's like, this time around, like you need to involve me in all your things because now she, essentially she's a spy as well. Um, and she's trying to get more intel on Highburn and all of their um, movements within the court. So she's about to do um, bad bitch things. Which I will say, I really loved her level of plotting and vengeance that comes in the next book. Like, it's just mm-hmm. truly great to see this all go down. She's a true mate for Rhysand, I feel yes. like, with this, like, level of scheming that Gosh, she does. I really do love them so hard. I really love Rhysand. And I feel like this is a true romance story. Like, we're not getting a whole lot of action. We're getting a lot of healing and we're getting a lot of love. A lot of love. You know what I mean? And it's worth it. It's worth it. You know, not everything has to be super smutty. It's the quality versus quantity. Right. And I feel like in if you think about her other books in Game of uh, not Game of Thrones, Throne, Throne of, Games. of Glass. <laughs> Throne of Glass. <laughs> Throne of Games. In Throne of Glass. Um, we'll eventually get it. <laughs> yeah. It's not super smutty either, but the plot is just so good. So when they do pepper this in and the tension really amps up not like one level but like three levels so i really appreciate that overall what were your thoughts on this books i know we kind of get into it in the beginning but like having gone through it all did anything change a lot happens a lot happens and it's still one of my favorite books i what can i say the reveal at the end was like oh my god i had to take so many breaks rereading it because i knew shit was going to get worse and i was like i can't read this anymore i remember distinctly remember having again a fat glass of wine because i am who i am but reading that book and being like oh my god they broke their bond at the end hybrid broke their bond they were just mated and i didn't i didn't realize what they had already done of course how would we know we didn't know till later but so, I guess everybody was very in. stressed about that so you know how aelin is like always planning ahead always planning ahead i feel like reese is kind of the planner ahead oh mm-hmm. for sure um in this series I will say, though, that scene in Highburn does piss me off. Like, I wouldn't think that they would have fallen for a trap so easily. I agree. Um, but I feel like it has to go back with how hard Reese, not Reese's, um, Asriel spies worked to get into there. So I feel like this was a, a long con on Highburn's part. Like, they just knew that they were going to They come. just knew that they were there and, like, we're going to feed into them. And I think the attack on Valaris – they knew they were going to have to retaliate. So I, I just like, how did they not expect them to know they were coming? That was the part that messed me up. I was like, that you, they knew you just were attacked by them. They knew you're coming. It felt out of character that they would get caught so easily. Yeah. It was like a total like the Scooby gang got caught. Yeah. Oh, and I was like, oh, meddling shit. kids. But then it was the parts like after when they got captured, like the reveals, like boom, 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 boom. I was like, holy crap. My heart cannot take any more reveals at this point because it was so much betrayal. What also seemed a bit of a shock in this book is just that like Jurian is alive and well. Oh, we didn't even talk about like Jurian's lover who is alive and half human, Miriam, who is living with her fae lover in the island. Yeah, that's just what telling you, need you to now know. because like that comes into play next book. Just dropping it there. I just felt like you had an eyeball and you had a finger bone. Like not 
like a whole finger bone, like a, a segment from like the knuckle to knuckle. You know what I mean? Like knuckle to your joint, like this, the, the bendy mm-hmm. part. And that's all we had to read. Phalange. Phalange, yes. <laughs> but not a full phalange. We had to like the, the joint. Like a half of a phalange. Yeah. Like it wasn't a full finger. Was it? I, whatever. I'm spending too much time on this. Anyway, the point is we did not have a full jury into reconjure. And so I just felt like we're a little glossing over the, not we, but like the book is glossing well, over I the fact that we just, just uh, recreated a full ass man. Back. Through the cauldron. Through the cauldron. Yeah. I think it was just supposed to be like an example of how powerful the cauldron is. If we didn't get it from the cauldron building the universe, it can also bring things back to life. Yeah. That were just an eyeball and a finger. Just an eyeball and a finger. Who would have thought? Uh, All right, guys. So that is our recap on A Court of Mist and Fury. It's one of my faves. All right, guys, so before we go, we just wanted to give one quick shout out to Simone Janae. Hilda, do you have thoughts on our friend Simone Janae? Simone, thank you so much, because now when I go and check reviews, I can see your very lovely review where you say that you love us and we love you too, um, and I don't have to read Lex's review, which, by the way, Lex wrote to us, yeah. um, <laughs> we're cool. Um, clearly she is funny um, and we're funny too so thanks for writing to us Lex Um, but yeah like but I can read Simone's review now so all Um, that to say to all our Simones of the world if you guys have enjoyed this podcast we'd really really appreciate you going to Apple Music giving us a five star review it helps us roll up in the rankings and help us make this podcast more visible to everyone else so we can all have the book talk group that maybe you don't have to discuss all your books. It's us. It's us. We are your book talk virtual book group. Um, and we'll be there for whatever books you guys want to discuss. We are taking recommendations all the time. We have our schedule built up through July based on some, some recommendations that you guys have provided. Um, just a point of reference, July would be like four months, three months from now. I don't know. Time. time. I have no time. Three months or not. We're three months planned and ahead. So if you guys have book recommendations, we'll always take them. Um, But we really, really, really appreciate you guys taking the time to leave us a five-star review. It means the world to us. And again, it helps us move up in the rankings. Let's make Book Talk Made Me more popular, can we? I think that'd be a great thing to add to this world. Yeah. And just another shout out to um, Rebecca Dane, Rebecca D., um, and a couple other people who I can't pull up now, but I eventually will for sliding into our DMs so we can talk books. We love a good sliding into our DMs. We've said it before. We usually answer, especially if it's like at odd hours Eastern time. (laughs) Odd hours Eastern time is where we really come alive. You guys from a nine to five? Sorry, we're busy. But like 3 a.m., right out of response. (laughs) All right, guys, so we will be back next to talk about the next book in the Akhtar series, A Court of Wings and Ruin, which, you know, it's funny. After reading this book, I was like, no, it's A Court of Mist and Fury is my favorite. Now that I'm starting to reread that one, I'm like, dang, this one is so good, too. Like, you're just so good. The beginning of this one is good. Clearly, I have thoughts about the end. Like, what do you mean, Clearly. Clearly, I have thoughts. Like, well, this because upcoming we all have one? thoughts. Yeah, about okay. the upcoming one. 
Well, I, I thought- know this upcoming one, I sent Caitlin a really like aggressive message after I finished Wings and was it Wings and Fury or Ruin yeah, Wings or whatever? And, Ruin. and I was like, holy shit. I and remember. then I was like, I like oh my to the God. next chapter. And I was like, <laughs> I remember. Can I retract my statement? <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah, this one, this one's a bit of a roller coaster. Well, the next one. The next one's a bit of a roller coaster. But you know what? You have us, your three friends support group to help you guys through this. Um, we love y'all and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.